All right, we are here with my good friend, Ted Jordan. Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. So happy to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show, so it's kind of crazy to be the guest today. You're, you're talking as if we don't talk all the time. Huge mm-hmm. fan of the show. Long, first time, long time. Ted Jordan. We talk. So Ted, let's just say this to the, the audience. Ted is a local Rhode Islander, as am I. We run, actually, I think you have, I have run the most with you um, compared to anyone else in 2022, which may be a surprise to you because we've run together like four times, but I really don't run mm-hmm. with many people very often. So we've run uh, about a handful of times this year, which has been a lot of fun and we talk all the time. So Ted is a good friend of mine and I couldn't wait to talk to him about his recent journey to the Philadelphia Marathon, which was, I would say, a huge success, Ted. So first of all, congratulations on your trip to Philly. I don't know which one you're more excited about, the marathon or the enormous cheesesteaks that you and your family consumed after the fact. I know. I said, you know, when I went to Philly, there was two things I wanted to do. You know, run up the Rocky Stairs and uh, get a cheesesteak. And uh, sadly, I never made it up the Rocky Stairs. That's not part of the marathon course? <laughs> no. It finishes very close. And um, when I finished the race, I looked at the stairs and I said, oh, there are the Rocky Stairs. And that's not happening today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that should be that would be an interesting finishing kick. Right. If you just went, did, did anyone go for it? Did you see anyone finish and kind of see the same thing you saw and, and kind of take a different, a different approach when they, when they uh, saw the stairs? No, I didn't see uh, too many people running up the stairs after. It was more uh, hot broth and a, and a frozen orange juice. Uh, so what was the what was the temperature like? So I, I believe it was, um, you know, right around 30 degrees or so. Oh, gotcha. See, up here in the Northeast, it's like you get these, you know, this late fall territory. Like the weather can go any way. I mean, shoot, even today, again, Ted and I live, you know, half an hour from each other. Today it was like mid to high 50s all day. I mean, it was raining all day, but like it was warm. It was just, it was warm outside, right? The rain will, the rain will kind of dampen your spirits potentially a little bit. But, um, you know, it's like, was what, 25 degrees warmer today than it was two weeks ago when you ran Philly, which is like basically the same climate as up here. Right, exactly. And, you know, for like the two weeks before Philly, we were having like 70 degree days. So that week, of course, we, we had the coldest day probably over the year. And I just had to figure that out. Yeah, and you knew ahead of time because you you were sending me some text messages like, "What should I wear to this marathon?" But you braved it, man. I gotta be honest. I was like, I was giving you some suggestions about like, I guess basically what I would wear, right? Because it's kind of like you know, you you only know what you know. So I'm like, all right, if if I saw these temperatures, this is what I would wear. And then I saw you post like what you're gonna wear the the next day for the race, and then saw your race photos. Like you you weren't afraid of the cold, man. Like you were, <laughs> you were working it. What, what did you end up wearing I, for the race? So I, I was I was committed to the shorts. I was committed to the shorts and then um I, I bought some arm sleeves that week which i've never worn before um and so short sleeve shirt arm sleeves winter hat gloves shorts how so how'd that work out so perfect perfect well i'll say so, so going <laughs> arm sleeves for the race never worn them before i guess that's not that big of a deal right because if, they, if they're a pain in the ass you can just kind of toss them right that's it's what not like- i was trying it's not like shoes, right? It's not like trying on new shoes and right? you're like, oh, like I'm not, I'm stuck with these for the next 18 miles or whatever. Right. I was so unsure about the weather. I wanted to have options where that I could either, 
you know, pull off or ditch. So. Gotcha. And so, you know, we're going to dive into your training. We're going to talk a lot about just marathon pacing. So you and I had a lot of conversations about this and you had some of the best training uh, that you've ever had in your life leading into this race, but it didn't necessarily make the what is my marathon pace question any easier in fact it might have made it harder because you were kind of in uncharted territory in some respects and just kind of getting better with age as well so um before we dive into your athletic history and just kind of giving people like where you're coming from as an athlete what was your finishing time in philly and how did the race go if you give like a little elevator pitch for how the race went um so my finishing time was three hours 36 minutes I forget the seconds now, actually. Um, You're off. You're off the show. (laughs) If you can't remember this, no, I'm just kidding. All right, keep going. Um, I mean, the race went great. I mean, I'm super proud of the finish. Uh, You know, when I hit mile 22, I just, I knew, I knew I was going to finish strong. Like, I, I had struggled a little bit before that. And then I hit mile 22, and I was just strong to the finish. And I think mile 26 was the fastest mile of the whole race. Wow, and that is amazing. And I know that you, when you ran Vermont City, um, not that long ago, I don't think, well, it wasn't this year, but it was maybe last year? This year, yeah. Me. It was this year, okay. All right, Um, and you, had, you, you ran that race pretty strong too near the end, didn't you? Right, so this, you know, this year has been great for me with finishing races and it's given me a huge amount of confidence like for example like you said vermont city the first half wasn't going that great and i you know i just kept pushing along and i i finished strong for the first time you know that was the first that was vermont city was my fourth marathon and it was the first one i ever you know uh didn't walk at all and I was able to run to the finish, and that gave me a lot of confidence. And in the past, when you had walked, was that part of like a race strategy, or was that just like, "Hey, I'm really not feeling well. Need to need to walk for a bit here." Yeah, that was just legs were done, you know, <laughs> some quad cramps and uh, hamstring cramps. So it was a necessity, but no, I think we've all been there. So, what was your time at Vermont City? Three forty-four. Okay, so you had an eight-minute PR at Philly. Well, or was Vermont City your PR before then? No, so in I ran Providence twenty twenty one in May of twenty twenty one. I ran a three forty one. Okay, okay, gotcha. All right, so Vermont City, you finished the strongest first time you had walked, but you actually had run Providence faster, even with some of the challenges. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Okay, but still, an enormous PR. Right. So for Philly, obviously, was a huge PR. And we'll dive into some of the makings of that. Before we do, I do want to just, you know, for a lot of people, just kind of touch on some of their athletic history before we get going, because sometimes they can be um, illustrative of some other things, uh, especially in their running present or potentially in their running future. So what's your athletic background? You can go back as far as is relevant. Okay, so I uh, definitely was never a runner Uh, growing up. I played you know, baseball and football was never an all-star, um, you know, just played uh, high school football. And then after that in college and, you know, for the next 10 years plus, I was, um, you know, I loved the gym and I would, I was much more of a weightlifter than a, than a runner. 
but I would always run a little bit, you know, after lifting two, three miles. And I enjoyed that. It just, you know, wasn't uh, serious about it. And then... <laughs> so then, so that, so actually, when I really got into running, I, I hurt my shoulder lifting. So I what what I exercise like, were you doing? I have also hurt my shoulder lifting. Oh, the the bench press. Oh, for me it was the, um, it was the military press machine. I thought mm-hmm. that the, the machine would provide an element of stability <laughs> that would allow me to hammer it harder than normal. I was. Young and dumb at the time, and yet the injury persists. So, mm. Lord knows, there probably must have been some serious damage, but still lingering. I think now, twenty-three years later. Um, but all right, so keep going. Okay, yeah. So I hurt the shoulder. Started doing a little more running, uh, just to stay active. Um, you know, started doing a few five Ks. Was enjoying that. After you know, after a few of those, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll you know. Tr- give this half marathon thing a try. Um, and so I ran my first half marathon in 2012, a rock and roll half marathon in Providence. And, you know, my goal at that time was, you know, I wanted to run under two hours. <clears throat> and I, you know, I didn't really know what that meant or how much training it would entail. But, um, you know, I think I found a, you know, old reliable Hal Higdon, uh, plan, you know, what, Hal Higdon, what... <laughs> where, where every member of the Rambling Runner squad has gotten his start or her start every time, like yeah. clockwork. Yeah. So, um, ended up running that half marathon. My goal was two hours. I ran, I think, um, 152. So I was, you know, over the moon about that. And, um, then just started doing, uh, you know, like a half marathon once a year. And I just basically stayed between 152 and 148. So during you know, that time, like how, how many years was that? And what kind of, what was your weekly mileage like during that period of time? And, and how consistent was that? Like, was there some vacillation or was it pretty consistent week to week, month to month? So it, it was pretty consistent, but um, that was for about five years. And it was probably you know, 20 miles a week. You know, I was doing, I was doing the half marathon and I was, you know, I was working my way up to a 10 mile long run. <clears throat> and then I would do the, the half marathon. So you run race. like three or four times a week. Right. Okay. And I was still going to the gym at that point. Gosh. All right. So when did things start to change for you in terms of the kind of mileage you were doing and just your general interest in running more and kind of pursuing bigger goals in running? So, you know, after, after the few half marathons, I was approaching 40 and I, you know, I, I had the goal to want to run a full marathon before I turned 40. And so, what year would have that been? So that when, was, when did you um, turn 40? Uh, 2018. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, the, so, the, so I was getting ready. So I ended up, um, my goal was to run the Providence marathon 2018. So the race was in May. I turned 40 in July. So it was, um, you know, it was set up. And at that, so at that point, I was still running only about, you know, 20 miles a week going into the, into this block. And I probably found another Hal Higdon 
marathon plan for this one. You jumped up to intermediate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it might have been a combo of a, of a Nike, Nike plan I found and a HAL plan. And it still wasn't, um, you know, major mileage. Um, I, at that point, for that block, training block, I think I peaked at only 35 miles for the week. And that was like with the 20 mile long run. Wow. So I was very consistent at, you know, never missing the long run on Saturday morning. But my other, I would only do, you know, three or four other runs, only maybe three or four miles. Gotcha. And, and how'd that first marathon go? So the goal was four hours. And I you ran... love those you love those big whole numbers. <laughs> <laughs> the goal was four hours and I ran a three fifty-two. Wow. Ted Jordan yeah. starting off with a yeah. bang. I mean, that's a big yeah. deal. Breaking four hours in your first marathon is a huge deal. And I think and we don't have to, you know, give up the uh give the ghost completely right away, but like I think it definitely portends what you have in terms of um just talent level, right? I mean, to think now, like, I think it's hard sometimes to judge ourselves, but if someone had told you that, like, hey, they capped out at 35 miles a week before their first marathon and then ran 352, that's a great sign in terms of just, like, in maybe just your genetic makeup in terms of maybe just like your um you know your slow twitch muscle fibers and just some of your natural endurance and things like that because that's that's a huge and great sign for someone who you know eventually wants to continue to to ramp up to bigger and bigger goals which is not a question it's just a statement but i will say <laughs> this though when you ran 352 right you had that goal all right i want to run a marathon before I, before i turn 40 you did that, right? You And you not only did that, but you broke your goal by eight minutes, which is exactly what you did in your first half marathon, which you ran 152. Again, eight right, minutes right. below the, the goal time. Um, did you just kind of latch on to marathoning? Like, what, what was your relation to running once you once you got there right away, right? Because obviously we know that you're continuing to do it. That's why you're on the show. But sometimes when, when we set big goals, you know, it can mean like, hey, all right, I've reached that. I want to go on to the next thing. Or did you kind of just dive right back into it immediately? Or was there kind of a middle ground period for you? So, you know, after I finished the first one, I I did, I did you know, I knew I was going to do another. I, I knew it wasn't going to just be, you know, oh, I crossed that off my list. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the whole process of training and running the race, you know, that first race, like you mentioned, you know, what is marathon pace? And I remember running that, I remember running that first race and running, you know, miles like, you know, eight to 13, you know, at like eight fifteen pace. And, oh. and I'm like, well, I'm like, this feels fast, but I'm like, you know, maybe this is, this is what will happen, you know? And, uh, the thing I love about Providence Marathon is that, you know, you start in Providence, but you run down to Barrington, where I live. So my wife and my kids were able to come out right at mile 15 or 16. So I, I saw them at that point, you know, and I was feeling great. And I, you know, had my arms up in the air. <laughs> and I, you know, I just, I didn't know what was coming, you know. So then it's different too when you're feeling great on streets that you know so well, right? Like that, that I know where that marathon goes and I know where you live and I know like the runs that you normally do. Like you're running on roads that are must be very familiar for you. So it's like when you're feeling good on those roads, it just feels like, all right, this is happening. Exactly, exactly. And and, and then so for, 
then when I hit mile 18, that was, um, that was a rude awakening. <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess I, I guess I, you know, hit the wall as they say at 18. So then from 18 to 26 was a, was a bit of a struggle, but all right, let's talk you know, about, you don't know, you don't know till you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And the, the key is, right, is learning from that, right? So a lot of marathoners hit that point. It, you know, the idea of learning from those experiences becomes paramount uh, moving forward. And, and we'll take this conversation a couple of years ahead, you know, basically to the point where you're training in a way which is very different than the previous years, right? You're all of a sudden, you're much more invested um, in terms of weekly mileage, non-long run, right? Because you were obviously doing some, some serious long runs in the past. They end up being like roughly 50% of your weekly mileage, it sounds like. Um, but it sounds like all of a sudden, and I know you, your weekly mileage on like all of the other days, like, you know, tripled, basically, sometimes even quadrupled from what you had done in the past. And you started, you know, getting more involved in the running community, became a member of the Ronald McDonald Running Group, uh, which is a big one around here. As you were kind of getting deeper and deeper into the running um, community, what was it like for you in terms of like, um, you know, either setting goals or like thinking about racing? Like, did I know, I know, I know you as a kind of like a fun loving, carefree, low key guy. Were you able to kind of keep that um, that sentiment with running, or were, were all of a sudden were you taking it like a lot more seriously, and it just became a more serious endeavor for you? Because I know sometimes people can struggle with that that part of it. Like all of a sudden, it can be like it's it becomes like um almost like a stressor for them as they kind of dive more and more into it, where like the idea of getting, you know, getting their goals um, can be fun and exciting and motivating, but also can have like some stress attached to it. Right. Right. So I, I love setting a goal and working towards that goal, but throughout the whole process, I try not to, you know, stress about any one, one day. And like you said, I, I'm a member of Ronald McDonald house. It's a, fantastic community you know i've met a great number of friends that you know i can call on a tuesday and meet them and just you know go for an easy run and get my miles in so and then you know through through the club there's structured workouts on mondays and wednesdays and you know they have tempo tempo tuesday twice a month you were there so the, this morning, back at it. <laughs> yeah, I was at. I was at the. Well, the great thing too in the winter, we get to use the indoor track, so we run around the little uh, two hundred meter track, and get dizzy. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I had. I got got some knee issues one time, one winter, training on that brown that brown track at the inside the Pizzatola Center, um, hmm. over there on Hope Street. All right, so let's talk about. You're getting ready for the past year, year and a half or so, where you're running really went up a notch, right? All of a sudden, you're doing workouts that are just bangers, right? I follow you on Strava, and I know you, so I get to see these and put them in perspective. Like, week after week, some really high-level workouts, really high-level long runs as well that really set the stage for the marathon success that you had, Um just kind of thinking back to those experiences, what do you think led to um, basically that kind of output, 
right? Was this just a natural evolution of the stuff that you were doing or did you change things to kind of get to this level? Because it, it definitely seems like you were at a drastically different level than you had been in the past. Um, and it's something that there's no reason to think it won't, st- it won't that will stop anytime soon either. But just as someone who's, you know, in the area and, you know, we're roughly the same age and I find it incredibly inspiring and motivating. I see some of the runs you're doing. I'm like, man, I want to, I want to be able to do that, to do that run or do that effort. So I guess let me in on some secrets here, Ted Jordan. Like what were some of the ways that you were able to get to that level? Right. So um, I'd say, you know, for the first two years or so when I was, when I was getting into the marathon, it was, you know, at that point it was more of just trying to establish consistent miles per week, you know, trying to increase my miles. And I'm still, I'm still not running like crazy amounts of miles. I don't think, um, you know, I've in the last four or five years, I've gone from about a thousand miles a year to this is my biggest year yet. And I'm at, you know, 1600. So, oh, okay. But you, but you also do some cross training, right? You do like some cycling. I do. Yeah. Gotcha. But, you know, I, and I battled some injuries, so I'm trying to, you know, keep it all, keep my, keep the injuries at bay and build up the mileage slowly. And, you know, as I've been getting better at putting the mileage together, I, you know, I, I love all things running. So I love like watching, you know, uh, YouTube videos of workouts and I, I get these ideas that, you know, I, you know, I want to try these workouts and I, I have to say the work, the workouts really excite me, you know, and my, my, I think my favorite run now is, you know, the spicy long run where, you know, you, it's not just long, slow distance, you know, the LSD doesn't excite me. Gotcha. All right. So if I guess, first of all, because I'm a fan of running, of, of watching the running YouTube for sure. Um, I think recently, recently I must have been really diving into the trail scene. So I'm getting like all trail recommendations. Like the YouTube algorithm is feeding me trail only right now. Uh, and I know you're 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 a heck of a trail runner. I'll say that, and I've said this to your face many times. Um, but uh, what what are some of the the channels or some of the people that you follow on YouTube that get you most excited? So um, you know Nick Bear. He did a fantastic, um, you know, uh, series of of his journey to sub three. You know, and uh, I think his coach is J.D. Cunningham. You know, I can listen to that guy all day. Yeah, he's a good guy. I actually had a chance to meet him down in Houston, twenty twenty. Yeah, he's 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 a great guy, and man, he and he can talk too. He was we had I had a blast. I just like yeah. like was like it was instead of like conversation, it was like listening to the radio. I just sat down next to him. We talked for like two hours. Like this is the this is the best. I just I was just soaking it in. Right, uh, you know another guy, Matt Reese, who's the he goes by the Welsh runner. You know they're so open with, you know their training and, and what they're doing, and, and I just I, I love following the journey. And, you know, there's a goal at the end. But. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about this past year. So we had Vermont City that we mentioned um, that went really well for you. And then this summer, you basically, you ran you ran an ultra marathon this summer. Again, <laughs> if you didn't sign up for the race, right? You did it as a pacer. But talk about this experience because I think, especially considering what you talked about in terms of being able to stay strong in the last 5k the last 10k of a marathon 
I think the experience that you had this summer, I think absolutely tails, I mean, dovetails right into this narrative because there's no, first of all, there's no way it can't. Now that we've seen all these things come together, there's no way this isn't a, a big part of it. Right. So, you know, for me, the official start of the Philly marathon block was, you know, pacing and crewing uh, our friend Maurice Lohman, the marathon panda at the Anchor Down Ultra Marathon in, in Bristol, Rhode Island, which is just a, um, you know, 24 hour race doing the same two and a half mile loop over and over again. In August. In August. It's hot. And it's humid and it's a 24 hour race and it's just, and a lot of it's exposed, right? There's like, there's like a little bit of tree cover in one section, but like a mile and a half is like pretty exposed when it's like the second weekend of August. It's like the most brutal time of year in New England. So again, this is Maurice's race, right? He's running 24 right. hours. He was hoping to see how far he could go. And this was all kind of his preparation for the Javelina 100, but you're really good friends with Maurice. Even, you know, Maurice and I are friends, but you guys are even closer. And you'd run with him a bunch. So talk to me about, like, what the pacing duties entailed, um, what your experience was as, as being a part of this project, um, and exactly how much you ran with him, because this is wild. Right, right. So, um, you know, like, like I said, I just, I love, I love running. I love the running community. And <clears throat> I just wanted to be part of... Um, you know, the crew for, for, for Maurice's ultra. So I told him, you know, if there's anything I can do, you know, be the pacer, be the part of the crew. You know, I want to, I want to be there. So he said, well, you're my pacer, you know? And so, you know, <laughs> be careful what you, be careful what you suggest, <laughs> my man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we practiced, uh, throughout the summer, you know, down at Cold State Park and, um, on race day, I was able to stop pacing him, uh, 12 hours into the race. So it starts at seven at night. I was able to start running with him at seven in the morning. That's when I started and I didn't stop running with him till after 5 PM. Oh my God. 10 hours, yeah. 10 hours of running in the daylight in August in new England. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. So 10 hours. Um, obviously this is the second half of his, of a very, very long effort for Maurice. A lot of that. I know he struck, he's finished strong, but he struggled during a lot of that. So, um, how many miles do you end up running? So I, I kind of had a little, um, you know, side bet with myself that, you know, I, I would pace him, but I also had a goal of, of possibly running, uh, an ultra myself. So, you know, I wanted to run at least 27 miles and I, I thought 50 K would be, I mean, uh, yeah, 50 K would be great. So, you know, I got to 38 miles. Wow. 30, and we should say you're pacing him, but it wasn't like you were took some blocks on some blocks off. You just ran consistent with him when you started. Right. And crewed him. So I was, you know, I was, uh, responsible for, uh, you know, getting his water bottles and his and his food and his nutrition and his, keeping him moving. So what was this experience like, right? Because this isn't your race. It's his race. It's still a brutal effort. I mean, being out there for 10 hours, 
just moving at whatever pace is still going to be a, a, a big experience. And you said this was like the beginning of your marathon block, right? This wasn't like, hey, I've been training for this for four months. Let's make it happen. But at the same time, you're helping this other person. You can't just like bail. So <laughs> what was it like mentally and physically going through this process? Right. So, you know, great point. Um, I had no idea what to expect from my body. Um, I don't normally train that well, you know, that way, you know, uh, you know, just like time on feet. You know, I, I, I've, you know, I do my, my, my marathon long run is three hours. So, you know, I've run a marathon in four hours. So, I mean, my, the longest I've ever been on my feet is four hours. So I, I didn't know what to expect that day. Um, <clears throat> so I, 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 you know, but, but my, I don't know. I, um, I guess went what, better, was it challenging than expected? <laughs> like, were you, were, were you, were you, did you reach points where you went through bad patches? Obviously Maurice was going through some bad patches out there as one would, would as one would, right? He's doing a 24 hour race in the middle of the summer. That is a brutal endeavor. At the same time, you're running for 10 hours in the middle of the summer. That's no picnic either. So, did you go through bad patches? How did you manage that? Like, you can't lean on Maurice for support. Like, you're there to support right. him. Exactly. So I think I was so concerned with um, doing a good job for him that I, I I never really focused on, like, I, it's not like my, I wasn't in a great amount of pain or anything, but I just kept moving, you know. So Do you we, think you know, it we, helped you that you were supporting him? Like, let me put it this way. If you had just said, like, told your wife, like, hey, I'm going to go run in Cold State Park from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. And you had enough supplies and stuff like that. And you ran at the exact same pace that you ran. Do you think you would have had the same experience? Or do you think that because it was part of a race and you were there supporting a friend that just mentally and emotionally or maybe even physically that it was more doable? Oh, exactly. If, you know, if it wasn't race day, it would never happen. You know, I had all the energy from, you know, from the people there that were racing I kind of felt like I was racing, but you know, I was, I was helping also, which was, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I bet. And I was listening to, I think it was Nick Bitter. I was listening to um, a YouTube clip that he was on. I try to remember who it was. It might've been actually something he did with Joe Rogan. Um, Listen to, to a clip last night, and I had heard this from other people as well, but I just mentioned Nick because it was something that it, I just watched it like 24 hours ago. Just talking about like he'll oftentimes sign up for an ultra in preparation for other ultras just because like, you know, if he goes out and does say 40 miles for a long run, again, this Nick Bitter is like has set like the 100 mile record on like an indoor track and stuff like that. right? So he's he's exceptionally fast, but also does a ton of a ton of distance out there. Um, like if he just goes and does a, a 40 mile run as a long run, it's just it's just hard logistically. To kind of like get everything going and like just it's just the whole process. Like he was saying, like he would just much rather like, you know, you know, give up the money and just enter a race, even if he's not going to be racing it, even if he's just going to be going like easy pace, easy to moderate effort, right? Just kind of like a spicy long run. Um, just like the whole logistics of it. If like he's part of a race setting, it's just so much easier for him as opposed to like getting everything together himself just for like his weekend long run. Um, and it sounds kind of like that was almost kind of like your experience, even though you weren't training for an ultra. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. All right. So we know how you did at uh, Philly. Okay. Looking back, 
how do you think that that either that experience um, mentally or physically set you up for success later on? Or maybe it didn't have that big of an impact, right? Um, I just know that I even, I even have a runner who just set a huge PR and BQ'd um, at age 46 at CIM who kind of did the same thing. She, she, ran, a, she ran a road 50K and she basically ended up running it around her easy pace. And like it ended up being like the catalyst for her CIM success. It was like that was not even the plan. Like CM was going to be like just like a fun adventure race um, for her because she was going to be out west anyway. And all of a sudden, like it turned into a completely different thing um, the week of. And it was one of those things where like that experience uh, running an ultra and because she ran at easy pace, she was out there for a very long time uh, running that road 50K was the Marine Corps Marathon 50K. Um, and I think that that ultimately kind of like kind of it uh, it kind of pushed the goalposts back in terms of what she found, what she was capable of doing out on the roads. And there's no way it didn't have an aerobic effect as well. So did you, did you feel like that, you know, basically doing your first ultra, even though you weren't signed up as an ultra runner, but you know, 38 miles, 38 miles, man, um, you know, kind of having that experience and running for 10 hours, uh, did it have a tangible effect on what you were able to do later on in the year? Yeah, I think absolutely. <clears throat> that gave me huge confidence uh, being on my feet for 10 hours. And, you know, I was running at the end. You know, we put, we ran some of our fastest miles at, at, at the end. Actually, why I stopped pacing him is because he started running so fast again. And I'm like, well, I, didn't, <laughs> I you know, he, he doesn't need me anymore. So, uh, I, you know, I, I thought I had a great day and I was going to let him finish it up on his own. And, um, you know, so that's that's when I stopped. And, you know, my legs were sore, but I, I felt pretty good. And, you know, the next day I, I was a bit sore, but, you know, nothing like after running a marathon. And then, you know, later that week I was back running again. So it did give me a lot of confidence that I could, you know, handle the mileage. And, you know, my goal for this Philly block, you know, was to get my miles up, you know, on a weekly basis. Right. No, absolutely. So let's talk about marathon pace and trying to figure out what marathon pace is. So we should say that you, you have a coach, but it's kind of like a loose coaching affiliation, right? It's not like um, someone who's like watching over your stuff all the time. I had like, I was part of the Ronald McDonald House group before. Basically, there's a coach, there's a couple coaches that help out. They're extremely knowledgeable, but they help out hundreds of runners and they get paid and they basically do it for free. So like they're not like it's not the coach that's like completely dialed into every single step you're taking, right? Um, but they 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 are doing magical things, and the amount of time they put in to their runners in aggregate is like an insane amount of time and effort and compassion for those runners. So they're doing great job. But at the same time, you were kind of like in this journey to figure out like what is my marathon pace because you were doing training that was beyond what you had done in the past. You were really excited. But it also seemed to me, because we had a bunch of these conversations, you also seemed to me like you were also kind of nervous because you didn't want to like go out too fast, right? You didn't want to blow up, right? You had this experience in Vermont City. You finally like were able to run the whole marathon. You obviously wanted to do that again. So I kind of summarized it there. But, but I guess in your own words, how would you describe just some of the, the hemming and hawing and trying to figure out exactly what your marathon pace was? Because it did seem like it was causing you some angst. Right. So, um, <laughs> the, so, um, 
I've had one bad experience, really bad experience with the marathon, which was my second marathon, which was Bay State uh, in Lowell, Mass. And, uh, you know, I had trained hard. I, that's right when I joined the Ronald McDonald House um, Running Club. And I had trained really hard. I had run more miles than I ever had. I was doing track workouts, you know, and I thought I was ready. And, um, you know, mile 20 came and I just, my, I was getting quad cramps like I, I've never had before. <laughs> and um, they, that was the end. Like, uh, you know, uh, the last 10K was awful. So I have this in the back of my mind for all, all every, every marathon I run now is I don't want to go back to that place. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know if I'm being too conservative, but I just, um, I'm trying to figure out where, where the line is. And this is why I, like I've, I've grown to love the marathon because <clears throat> it is so you, like, you, you can't fake it. You can't fake a marathon. Um, there, but there's a, this fine line that, um, you have to, to, to walk. Um, trying to, so, you know, reach, so where, I want so to reach, you know, the, I'm sorry, keep going. It's like, you know, I want to reach my potential, you know, but I don't want to crash and burn, you know, but, uh, yeah, I'm, of I'm course, still trying absolutely. to figure, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> All right. So where, what are some of the ways that either you have in the past or you currently use to try to figure out what your marathon pace is, whether they're, you know, you know, calculators or if there's certain workouts that you feel like can help, or if there's like ways that you figure out like your moderate pace or maybe you're racing and then putting that into a calculator close to the race. So it's just one of the ways that um, you have worked with in the past and how did that evolve into this cycle? Right. So, um, you know, I've used, you know, 5k times in the past, you know, um, such a, you know, V dot, the V dot calculator. <clears throat> and it, it gives you like, from my standpoint, it, it felt like the, the marathon time was always uh, aggressive or I didn't know, you know, if I ran a, if I ran a 22 minute 5k, it said I could run, you know, a 3:30 marathon, but I didn't know, you know, what, 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 what is that based on? You know, how, how do you, how do you get to the three thirty? you know, how many miles, you know, how many miles you have to run, how, you know, how many workouts you have to do. Um, so I could see where possibly my potential is maybe three thirty, but I didn't know how to get there on it. <clears throat> and I didn't know, you know, if I had enough confidence to, 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 uh, to accept it, you know, but what I've learned over this block is, you know, the, when I do those spicy long runs, one of my favorites was uh, six by two miles with the, with like a five minute recovery in between. And so when I, when I did that a few weeks, maybe a little more than a few weeks, but uh, before Philly, I think on that, on the six, the, well, the 12 miles total for that workout, I think I averaged like a 805. <clears throat> so that was a huge, huge confidence builder. And, and I was finishing, you know, it was a 21 mile run and I was, and I was finishing like strong where in the past, you know, I would take all my guts to, to do the 20 miler. Yeah. And I think that's a huge indicator 
for this as well, right? Like, and and that has happened to me in the past too, where it's like, yeah, you ran eighteen, but like the last four were like brutal, and you're like, right, you know, looking right. for any reason to stop, and it's just like it feels like a death march, and and it can be, it's just tough. It's like not a whole lot different than some than the way some marathons feel, even though your pace is very different. Um, and this, this, you're right, that's a huge indicator. Like you can finish your long run. Feeling like, feeling like, hey, like, yeah, like I know that I've been running for three hours, but like I'm still feeling like decent. I can keep going. Um, yeah. You know, my pace isn't falling off a cliff. Um, that's a great point. Like when you did say this, you did basically 12 miles at marathon-ish effort um, with the five-minute recovery. Like how early into the run did like those marathon miles start? Right. So <clears throat> for that workout, I think I did – I did a uh, four-mile warm-up, and then I went into that block, which, you know, um, that whole block it takes about fifteen miles with the, with the with the five-minute recoveries. Yeah, so you're still running hard, like miles eighteen, miles nineteen, like you're still putting in work, like really late into the run. Right, 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 and then just a, a couple miles, um, you know, a little more relaxed at the end. But, yeah, I mean that 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 workout or a workout like that. Um, first of all, they're really hard. <laughs> Let's just say that. First of all, uh, not anyone can do those, right? Those those are, are those are some hard workouts. You're not going to find many workouts that will include more than 13 miles at marathon pace, no matter how they're divvied up. You're just not going to see many of those. So that's definitely a very challenging workout. Um, so the fact that you were able to do that, still feeling good, is a huge indicator. That is for sure. And now you and I had spoken about, um, you mentioned the VDOT calculator. Some of the other calculators, they do have a dual input, right? So 538 has one. Um, actually, Runner's World has one as well, where you can put in not only a recent race or time trial at, at various distances, and obviously the longer the distance, probably the better it is in terms of predicting, right? Putting in a mile time doesn't really matter in terms of like your marathon effort. Um, but you can also, I mean, it has some correlation, but it's not like, you know, a one-to-one, that's for sure. Um, where, and then you can also put in like your weekly mileage, your average weekly mileage during your marathon cycle. Did you play with any of those calculators as well? Uh, I did. There's a website that I use called Runalyze which will pull all of my either Garmin or Strava data. And I do really like this one. Um, It'll pull in your weekly mileage. And um, I believe believe the times might be based on like a VO2 max. So they'll give you your potential, but then they're realistic by saying, you know, your potential is a 3.30 marathon, but that's with say 50 miles per week and if you're only at 40 it'll give you an estimate based on what you're actually doing so i would you know i would look at that calculation throughout my training plan to try to figure out you know when i go out and do these runs i know i know it wants i you know it should be a feeling but i wanted to have a rough idea with pace too or i didn't want to go you know, blow up the run either, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And when you're running Philly, right, and you're warmed up, you're feeling good, again, you're, you're say, between miles like 5 and 12, 
right? Kind of like that classic, like when marathon pace should feel its best, right? You're warmed up, you're into the race, but you're not so far into the race where fatigue is starting to accumulate and things like that. How would you describe proper, like basically proper marathon pace? Like how, like, are there certain indicators in terms of like your stride length or your breathing or just how you feel, how like your respiratory, like, like being able to talk on the run, just what are some indicators for you beyond what your watch would tell you, right? If you're just running by feel, what marathon pace feels like? Right. So on, on actual race day, you know, fully trained and, and tapered, you know, I wanted the beginning of that race to feel stupid easy. That, that's what I kept telling myself. I'm like, this should feel easy, easy, you know. And the, the great feeling was, um, you know, I, was, I, I ran some of the first few miles, you know, just under eight minute pace. And I, you know, the, great, the greatest feeling is to tell yourself to bring it back. But, you know, not that you, you know... You, I didn't, um, you know, really, really need it, but I'm like, just bring it back, bring it back. And that was a great feeling, you know, like saving it for later. Yeah. And what's that like for you? Um, and how has this evolved? Cause you've run a number of marathons at this point, um, in terms of like keeping that energy in reserve, right. During that first half. Um, and like that, that feeling behind it, like, is that empowering? Do you feel like you always want to keep tapping the gas? Like, and how has that evolved over time? Cause I know that for me, like that can be a potential, that can be a struggle sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like, if I'm feeling good, I want to run fast and it can be, you know, again, I'm smart enough to know better, but at the same time, I know how it feels to kind of be sitting on that energy and be like, I know I shouldn't, but like, I do want to run faster than this. <laughs> I know it's like you know it's like that the first marathon I ran and I'm like well you know maybe this is just this is how fast I'll run you know today's my day but um um finishing Vermont City strong like being able to run the whole thing at the end um you will pass so many people at the end that either you know went out too fast or weren't prepared and that will give you so much motivation to finish the race, to keep going. When you're passing people at the end, it, it, you know, it's the best feeling ever. So I think I, that's what I guess I tell myself is, you know, just save this right now, save this right now. And it's going to be great at the end. Yeah, this is such a good point, right? Because sometimes we experience this um, in 5Ks or shorter races, um, even half marathons sometimes for certain people. Um but like being able to pass people when you're not feeling great is like such an energy boost is there's nothing like it. It really is like a jolt to your senses. Um, obviously, like, you know, especially in a marathon, you're like really planning like three hours ahead in order to get to this <laughs> point. Um, people like, you know, at, at, at your pace, but, you know, because you know, you're thinking like, all right finishing around 3.30, like, that means at three hours, I want to be feeling good so I can kind of take advantage of some free energy passing some folks near the finish line. Um, and But at the same time, right, it can be sometimes hard to kind of negotiate that. How did you feel like the weather either helped or maybe hindered your performance? Um, I, I don't think it, I don't think it helped me personally. Um, I, it could have been a little bit warmer. But, you know, it's, uh, 
and the, the marathon owes you nothing and you just have to figure out a way to, to get it done. And so, you know, that week I knew it was going to be cold. So I, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm never going to be the most talented runner, but I feel like I can be the most prepared. So I never want to have a bad performance for not being prepared. I, I, I think that's silly, you know? Um, so that week we had some cold days. So, you know, I went out for my runs and I, and I practiced, I did practice a little bit with the arm sleeves, you know, or, um, a long sleeve. So, so I tried a couple different things and, um, I went to Philly with a, about, you know, a uh, hundred different options. And so <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, say we can, you, I'm assuming you drove there then. Yeah. 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 We, so it's, brought, it's definitely drivable from where we live. Yeah. You don't want to check wife. a bag that's just purely running race potential <laughs> attire. Yeah. I brought my wife and kids, so we went down a few days early. <clears throat> and um, something new that they do with Philly, I think they started last year, is they have the half marathon on Saturday now, and then the marathon is Sunday. So Saturday morning, I went out for my shakeout, <clears throat> and I'm really terrible with direction, so I thought I was going up towards the uh, the start line of the marathon so I would know where to go the next day <clears throat> but I ended up running like right into the middle of the the half marathon oh god and it was just you know the streets were lined with people and everyone was fired up and I'm like oh this is this is great and uh you know so I was I you know I I had the best shakeout ever and I and that's when I got back to my room and I, I think I text you I'm like I'm ready yeah and you were right you were right, man. You did great. I mean, it really is amazing. So let's talk about the future, right? So you're in your mid-40s. You're fitter than ever. You just set a huge PR, right? You set, you know, what was it, five-minute PR in the marathon in your mid-40s. You keep getting better. Your workouts are fantastic. And even with that said, like, you're going to have roughly, what, 1,700, 1,750 miles on the year, which is a great number, and yet... There's still plenty of room for growth there as well. So how do you view potential getting better with age and where you could potentially take this? Right. So um, my ultimate goal is to try to beat you uh, in maybe the next two years or so. Um, You know, I I feel like I'm fully confident that I can run the sub 330. Um, My BQ time is going to be 320. So... You know, it's a uh, it's a big goal. I, I I hope I can get there. I think I can. You can, man. You can. Come on, come on, Ted. <laughs> Some confidence. You got this. <laughs> Absolutely. Obviously, it's hard when we put timelines attached to goals, right? Because we never know what's going to happen, and and that can be tricky. Um, but the thing about BQs, right, is that like they're always going to be there. There's always going to be age groups and stuff like that. So that's, uh, I mean, that's a great goal. And you're certainly really on, you are on the cusp of it, right? You're 16 minutes away or so, but you know, I think that you were definitely in, you know, when you and I were talking, like you was kind of like, Hey, I'm between three minutes, you know, three hours, you know, three thirty and three thirty-five shape. That's kind of like, I think that we all kind of viewed it and you know, you were right there, right? You finished right in that range, right? Right. Like right in the cusp of it. Um, which is exciting. So do you, Again, we're all we're all kind of the same, man. We finished one race. We want to sign up for more races. What does 2023 look like for you? So, like in terms of what have you identified as a race that you want to do, or what do you think that you want to do in terms of your scheduling, and what is kind of to be determined? 
Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, it's funny you ask that. Um, I'm <clears throat> currently sitting here with my fingers crossed that um, I'll be chosen as the uh, representative for uh, the Ronald McDonald House Club to run Boston in April. Oh. So I just I that just became a possibility last week. So I I put my name in right away, and I'm waiting to hear back. <clears throat> so that's one possibility. If not, I was planning on running Providence in May. Me too, my man. Nice, nice. All right, so you're so you're gonna be running a marathon in the spring, no matter what. That's the plan. That's the plan. All right, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so um, we had some people on the podcast last year who kind of got late notice about joining the Boston field, as um, you know, through their running groups. Uh, I think it was like through Amazon. Like Amazon was like got like got slots because they were a sponsor of Boston. So Boston kind of gifted them honorary spots in the field, and then they get and then they basically decided to basically outsource the process to like eight to twelve running groups and say, okay, here are two slots for your running group. Basically, you choose who would be you know who's ready, who's fit, who can handle it, stuff like that. Um, obviously, didn't want to give a spot to someone who like was completely ill prepared and was just not going to be able to handle the distance, um, especially because I think they found out like late February. Like it was like they had like it was like a six and a half week turnaround or something between like you're going to Boston and like, hey, race day is here. Um, obviously, this doesn't sound like you're going to you would potentially be in that in that realm. But do you know any of the logistics about how this kind of came about in terms of why there is even a spot open for the club? So, I, you know, they just announced last week at, at the at the track workout that they they received an extra bib, um, you know, for the club. I wish I had more details and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get those out if, you know, if I would, if I am chosen, you know. And it's fine. And who knows? Maybe it's not for public consumption either. Um, but it would be pretty cool to qualify for Boston at Boston. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, I, yeah, I, that's, um, I don't think I'm ready for that, but that would be great. I know you're, you're, you're a cautious guy. I think you, <sighs> you, you are by nature. It's actually literally your, your, it's, it's part of your literal profession. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna, I, you know, I, I get super hyped about this kind of thing. Um, but you play close to the vest and then you freaking go out and dominate. So that's exciting. Uh, and I will be with you, um, at, at Providence. That'll be really exciting. Marathon too. That'll be my next marathon. I'm excited about it. I'm actually going to be doing, I think I told you this, the, um, or maybe I didn't, I'm going to be doing the Squatch Apple 50K in New Jersey on March 11th. So if you want to join me for that, here we go. And anyone else listening, who, who wants to run a 50K in New Jersey <laughs> on March 11th? Well, come, come on and do it. Obviously, you don't want to do that if you're going to be running Boston. This would have to be a if Boston doesn't work out kind of scenario. Right, right, right. I mean, you have big plans for 2023. I'm trying. I'm trying to I'm trying to do what you're doing. And I'm not even, I'm, you know, you and I joke around all the time. I'm not even joking. This is the thing is that what you have been able to do over the last year and a half when like we've, I've really, you know, gotten to know you um, a lot better is really inspirational because you you're out there and you are absolutely crushing it. You're getting better all the time. And you're nowhere near reaching your potential yet. And I think that's the fun part. And I was talking to um, some runners of mine uh, today. We Every Wednesday, we do like uh, office hours. We do a lot, of, a lot of calls with athletes and stuff like that. And, and it's always a fun time. And I was talking to some of these people, like, and with the conversation we we're having, we we're all pretty similar. And it was about, like, 
you know, there's plenty of people who are our age who like the aging process, while real, isn't going to stop you from closing the gap between your current fitness and your potential. And it's because like, you know, you and I like didn't peak as runners at like age 28. Right. So like, you know, Sarah Hall isn't going to be faster at 46 than she was at 36 because she, when she was 36, she had reached her potential. Right. Like though. So, so even if she's like still reaching her potential, the aging process will diminish a little bit. Right. So she'll still be really good. She'll be excellent in fact, but she might not, you know, just because of aging, there might be like a 1%, 2% decrease, right, in terms of where she is. If Even if she's maximizing her potential at both ages, you and I, like, we didn't do that, right? So, like, we're still, like, closing that gap all the time. So, like, for us, getting better with age isn't, like, some sort of, like, miracle elixir type thing. It's like, no. It's like, we didn't peak, you know, during our 20s and 30s. So, like, by doing this now, like we're just, even though our, our potential may be slightly diminished, we were so nowhere near it that by closing that gap, we can still you know, be head and shoulders of where we were before. And it's, it really is exciting. And so while we may feel different after a workout now than we maybe did in the past, like it, there's no reason to think that like any of this growth is going to stop anytime soon. Right. Exactly. I, you know, I love running for the, the for the mental and the physical benefits but I also love that I, you know, I never ran when I was younger. So all these times, uh, you know, I, I, I can still get better, you know. So I'm, I'm not comparing myself to, you know, 22-year-old uh, Ted, you know, that used to run fast times. It's still very exciting to, uh, you know, keep setting PRs at 44. And, yeah, uh, there you go, right? Um, yeah, so, so the Boston Qualified Time for 45 and up is 320? Correct. Okay. Gotcha. And when's your birthday? July. Oh, so these spring marathons, you'll still be in the 40 to 40. Oh, yeah. You'll be in the, so you have, two, you have two more years in the 40 to 45 group, right? And it goes 46 to 49 or does it go, no, it goes 40 to 44, then 45 to 49. Right, right, right. Okay. So you'll still so be in, in the. You know, and, and it's the age you are on race day. Oh, that's right. I keep getting, God damn it. As someone so in my I'm profession, to, I should to, have this dialed in. I'm trying to sneak in there, you know, as a 44-year-old for the 45-year block. I love that. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> that makes sense. All right, Ted, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm sure I will see you soon. Um, I guess last thing is just how are you feeling after the race? Things are going pretty well? Fantastic. This has been the best recovery I, I, you know, I've had for any marathon yet. You know, I was able to walk down the stairs Monday morning. I didn't have to hold on to the walls and walk backwards. It was great. All right. So we got to get we got to get back out there, man. You and I yeah. and Mo, of course. Absolutely. All right. Ted, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thank you, Matt.